This is a Baby Brunch podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by FedHealth. FedHealth's FlexiFed 2 and 3 options offer superb maternity and childhood benefits, including its free FedHealth baby program to see members through their pregnancy and parenting journeys. Choose FedHealth for trusted medical aid cover that gives you choice, flexibility and control, and that will be with you through every stage of your family's unique journey. FedHealth, we let you be you. This is a podcast about guilt, and we've had Janine Boer in our studio before, and today she is in a remote location, and we're chatting via our new apps and craziness during an extended lockdown. Janine Boer, welcome back. Thanks, Ilana. So we're talking guilt. We've had, we've had so many emails and SMSs, and we've had Facebook posts about people that has, we, we are really struggling. We are struggling with this thing called guilt, whether it is about things that we should be doing in the household, whether it is about children and schooling, taking them out of school, putting them back, uh, being the glue of the family, raising children. I think it's really difficult, and it is especially difficult during this time where we are reminded about lockdown and COVID-19. One of the questions, Janine, that we got, and I'm just going to get straight into it. During this time, moms feel that they have an increased sense of guilt. And they feel that, I mean, we all want to be the glue of the family, right? But sometimes it just feels like we can't keep it together. Why is that? Well, I do think that, as you're naming it, this is an extremely difficult and unusual time that, we, that we're living in, for sure. But even apart from this time, I think this issue of guilt and trying our best to be the best we can be is such a common experience as a mom. So you're raising this thing of trying to be the glue of the family. Mm. So for me, that that sounds as though we're trying to keep everything together, trying to keep everybody together. So in other words, trying to keep the relationships going and everybody connected and trying to keep the family running as it should. And I'm understanding that to be the glue, that's trying to keep everything together. And honestly, I think at times it just gets too much. And sometimes I think to myself, do we really need to try and keep everything together? So perhaps this picture of order and everything must be just so is not even necessarily necessary. If we let go a little bit, what will happen? I think it's worth trying and sometimes worth questioning these ideals that we're heading towards and then feel bad because we're not meeting these ideals or these expectations that we place for ourselves we end up then feeling guilt, but is it even a realistic expectation that we're putting on ourselves? We've got some moms who have questions around guilt that they are feeling, and it seems like there are different layers of guilt. I'm going to call them anonymous. Let's listen to this mom. She has a guilt around not having a playmate for her child during lockdown. One of my biggest mommy guilts that is really plaguing me is the fact that I chose not to have another child. Lockdown um, and COVID, since lockdown five specifically, my daughter has been at home and has not been back at school. And I see her frustration and her tears and her loneliness. And I feel so guilty that my husband and I chose not to have another child and how it's impacted her during this time. And if I could turn back the clock, I would have put my foot down and I would have said, I'm having another baby. 
um, not only just for her, but to make our family complete. So I feel guilty, not only because of how it's impacted my daughter, but also I feel guilty a little bit because how it's impacted me. I never imagined myself only having one child and having made this decision and been very close to 40 now. It's really plaguing me. So we all feel guilty about different things, right? So this mom feels guilty because she didn't have a second child. And now that we're in a crisis, she's scared that her child feels alone. For sure. And I think she might be noticing at times that her child is lonely. But I think she firstly couldn't anticipate the crisis and, and this, this happens. So is it really her fault that her child is lonely? I think one can question that. But the other thing that stayed with me when I was listening to her was just the sense how much she she really does value family life and how much she loves her child. And I do get a sense of that sincere regret that there was a time where she made a decision. She's looking back and she's thinking, did I make a mistake? I'm just feeling that I made a mistake. And I do feel for her. So can one, I mean, do you, do you act on guilt? Do you say... I'm guilty and therefore I'm going to do everything in my power to, to not have it. Well, it's interesting. So if we go back to that idea of, of almost a healthy guilt, I suppose she's going to need to stop and, and really reflect deeply on this issue. And is there an inner prompting? Is it a case of perhaps we should consider another child or perhaps it, it's a suggestion that we need community, we need to sort of build our family in some way, not necessarily have another child, but maybe it is just the value of relationships and looking more towards friendships and what that's going to look like in the future. So what is it nudging her towards? We can't say that it's all bad, but it's nudging her in a certain direction. So she needs to look at that. But then at the same time, possibly it is forgiveness and being compassionate towards herself. But at the end of the day, we do the best that we can with what we have at a certain time. And when she decided not to have children, that was the best decision that she could make at that time. And she might need to go through a process of forgiving herself for making that decision Mm. and for making the best of what she has. We have another message from another mom. And as a working mom, I can totally relate to this. What I learned during lockdown is it's okay to not always be okay. So my mom guilt is mostly around not having enough patience with my two little people. Um, between with the pressures of trying to keep my business afloat and uh, brainstorming and thinking of new ways to keep my audience captive during these very difficult and challenging times for everybody. They deserve more. They deserve calmer responses and they deserve longer cuddles. They just deserve more of me. There's just so much in there, Janine. And I mean, I can totally relate with this where you go, I didn't hug long enough, but there's also my business that I need to build. And it's even making me tearful just thinking about it, that, that, that mommy has to go to work or I have to work in lockdown and I'm doing this for you guys. But even though I'm doing this for you, mommy can't play with you now because I need to be on my laptop and on email. And then a big word that she used is the word patience. You know, she's almost impatient with herself but she wants to be patient with her children is this something that we fix how do you how do we even start unpacking it for self if that's the 
it's not just one feeling. It's a lot of feelings that we're feeling. Absolutely. And one really can get a feeling for how she's torn in so many different directions. Like, how do you begin to choose? She's almost confused. Where do I go? This way, that way. And that inevitable feeling of not good enough, that I'm spread so thin and I'm not giving enough to the children or to business. So I think a lot of mothers would be able to relate to that. And I think she also does have some of those descriptions of almost what we would say is a is a motivating guilt. At times, maybe she would sit and, and just get a feeling, I just haven't had enough time with the children. So maybe I need to put a boundary at work and say, now's the time for children. And that would be almost responding to that, that inner compass that's saying, no, a little bit more towards the children. And then other times she would have to put a boundary down with the children and say, you know, I do care about you and this is what's going to happen. You're going to play and I'm going to go and work and then she'll need to devote time to work and know that when she comes back into the family, she'll be ready to be present and open and connect with the children. But it's also no good staying with the children, feeling bad about not working when actually she knows she should go and work, but she doesn't want to leave the children, but she's not feeling present to the children anyway. So it's almost like you choose something in nuggets, like you you work a little bit, then you spend time with the children, and then you also do some self-care. So so that when you're with the children, you're totally present. And when you are at work, you are giving your undivided attention. And when you are practicing self-care, it probably has to also happen without guilt, I guess. Well, absolutely. I think that's a good example that perhaps you have been working all day, then you feel you need to go and exercise, but then you actually feel guilty about going out again because the children look at you with that sad face. (laughs) I know that feeling. Mommy's going to go for a run. But where are you going? Just for a run. But when are you coming back? And and they know how to play it, eh? Oh, my word. My kids know how to. They're so small, but they – they, the way they ask makes me just want to stay at home. Absolutely. But you know that if you go for a run, when you come back, you'll be a much I'll be a better, better mother. mother. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's the thing. It's like, what is going to be best for the relationship? Right. Uh, is it going to be best for the relationship for me to go? Am I going to be a better lover when I get back? And you probably will be. Mm. So I think there is that, that, that to bear in mind that why am I doing what I'm doing? We have another voice note from a mom and I had a giggle at this one because she talks about the amount of device time. Wait, listen for yourself. Oh my goodness. You ask me about mom guilt. Goodness. I don't know where to start. Um, I mean, you know, I think as a working mom, I, I lived and have lived with it my entire life. I never took maternity leave. Well, when I say my entire life, my entire mother mothering life. Uh, I never took maternity leave. Uh, my kid was with me at um, every job and event. I was breastfeeding in, in boardrooms. So, um, you know, I, I've never had the time that I wanted. That guilt has stayed with me, that, uh, you know, feeling of inadequacy has lived with me that I never had the time that I should have. Um, but at the same time, um, they were with me. So I suppose that's the important thing. Um, in lockdown, so lockdown has been super tough, uh, personally, professionally in the industry and business that I deal with. So for me, lockdown has been tough in general. The homeschooling has been like, I mean, I don't, I want to say hell, like the school is amazing. The work they provide is great. You know, half the problem is the actual curriculum. Um, 
I think I have mom guilt about every single area that um, I'm tired and I'm cranky because I'm working till two in the morning. So my patience is thin, you know, Um, I'm not cooking them healthy meals. I feel like they're getting fatter. Like that's my fault. I feel like I'm now a bad parent because they're not getting the, you know, the fitness they used to with the run around at school, no matter what we do, you know, the guilt of, you know, one of the guilts that's killing me is I have to spend so much time with my older child. I feel like I, my my youngest is forgotten about. I literally, I'll catch him watching Power Rangers on the iPad and I will literally not know how long he's been watching for. It could have been hours. I'm not sure because I've been trying to focus on the eldest child. It's, yeah, it's it's been... Um, it's been quite interesting. And I think the mom guilt, I think if I had to pick, the mom guilt probably rests on my youngest, who I had to take out of school. He's too young and paying for, you know, for preschool just seems ridiculous. The amount of money you pay for that when they're not even going or getting anything from it. But just, uh, yeah, I think... The food that I fed them, the screen time, the guilt of the mom screen time. You need that phone call, right? You need to be able to do that Zoom. So you try make them go bounce on the trampoline. You try give them Lego to play with while you're doing it. But it is actually just more peace and quiet if you put them in front of the telly or you let them watch that horrible YouTube thing where that kid opens presents, which I despise. Um So the screen time, the feeding, like, I don't know an area where there hasn't been mom guilt from my side, uh, but I think mostly my youngest, you know, he either sits kicking um, my eldest in the head during, you know, trying to do schoolwork together. Otherwise I have to separate them and then he's left. And I just feel, I mean, fortunately he's, you know, he's young and I'm hoping he'll bounce back, but yeah, definitely the mom guilt's about the youngest, the youngest of the troop. Am I the only one that just wants to burst out crying? (laughs) (laughs) I just like everything she has said is we've we've all experienced either one or all of it. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I can quite relate to it. And I can I can say that there were times when mine also had too much screen and they've all turned out okay. So So wait, I, I wanna actually talk about that. So you you have four sons and they, they are fine now and they also were on but you didn't have COVID, right, no, Janine? We didn't have COVID, but gee, there were times we did need to put them in front of a screen. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we even? Wow. So, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, yes. no problem. But even her description of while I focus mm-hmm. on one, then I neglect another one. I think a lot of mothers can relate to that. And I felt eventually that there's always going to be one that's falling through the cracks, as long as it moves around a little bit. It's it's a different one each time it falls through the crack. But there's no way that you can't neglect one. Correct. But as long as you can move it from one to the other. So I think it is just as she describes it, but she's also got a really good sense of realistic expectations. I think particularly during COVID, we do need to change the expectations there will be more screen time and that will be okay. We'll all get out of it and new habits will develop. The lack of activity, the different sort of food, I think that's just part of lockdown. So so a woman described this to me because, you know, everyone's using the term new normal and she called it a new average where she said, just like you have said now, that our children are out of school. So we're going to have to set our standards differently the same way that this mom has said, uh, you know, the, the the one is on screen and the other one is playing with Lego and then they need to swap while she can do a Zoom call, etc. 
Is, is that one way to juggle it? Why do we still feel guilty if everyone is going through the same thing? It's an interesting question. And I think possibly it is about changing expectations because that sort of lowering our standards, that certainly will help. But I think we do need to watch for the inner critic. And sometimes we can then say it's the guilt-inducing critic that even though we tell ourselves it's okay, it's locked down, we can still end up having this repetitive, but maybe, maybe I shouldn't have, but maybe it shouldn't be like this. And it's almost like a voice in our head that's telling us that what we did was not okay. You're not good enough. Mm. And I think we need to identify the inner critic and know that the inner critic is different from what we were speaking about earlier. So when we say there is healthy guilt that motivates us, there's also this inner critic, this negative voice. It can also be a worrying, a worrying, like I'm scared. Is it this going to happen? Am I being okay? Sometimes we can describe it as shame, where eventually we can actually start feeling bad about ourselves, which is very different from guilt. Guilt is looking at the behavior, where shame is looking at the character. I'm a bad mom. Mm -hmm. So we do need to watch for those. And those are, are negative. They're not healthy. They don't motivate. If anything, they make us feel drained and tired and they lost, they lost, they go on and on. And there isn't resolution. Earlier when we were chatting, you mentioned that the guilt can happen. And I think you were saying how you then might have to apologize to your child and restoration. There's a sense that you can restore the connection. There's healing, there's movement. So I, I would say the restoration is then, it's a, a feeling of better, that we're reconnecting, there's, there's healing. That is different from this critical voice that's just telling us we're not good enough. It doesn't move. We don't get a sense that there's no recovery. I don't feel better. They don't feel better. It just accompanies with a, a negative feeling. That is not a healthy guilt. I think one needs to notice that and say, okay, well, that's what it is. That's my inner critic coming from high standards. That's a shaming voice. That is not a healthy inner nudging that needs to be followed. Right. I want to I want to soon get to raising confident children, also reassurance. I think something that all of us need the whole time. Um, during lockdown, I remember the one time my husband was sitting down on the couch and he said, what can I do for you? And I said to him, I just want a hug. You know, and that for me just felt like I got energy after that. that just for me, reassurance was I just want to be here and know that I'm okay, you know. So before I get to reassurance, I want to I want to wrap up this whole guilt guilt thing and I just so, so we've, we've established that there's good guilt and bad guilt. And I just want you to remind me again, bad guilt, what would you say that is? So it, it is a feeling of guilt, but it's, a, well, it's, it's one of two things. It's either a critical voice that's telling us we're not good enough. And often for me, when it's almost like a narrative in my head, then I know it's probably the inner critic. As different from a healthy guilt which you would feel more in your body it's it's like a niggle and you would say more you know I've just got this inner sense so it's more heading towards what we know is intuition I've got a gut feeling that's different from a negative narrative in your head telling you that what you did wasn't good and you never get it right and when will you ever get it right and how many times you started again but you still don't seem to get it right and how this is going to damage the child. Can you hear? That's a whole lot of talking in your head. That's different from a gut feeling. My next question is, what is good guilt? So that would be this intuition, the sense of um, I have a niggle and I'm going to respond. So there's the niggle. 
for me, often there's a doorway, which is usually an uncomfortable doorway, because at this point you might have to apologize and be humble and apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry I shouted at you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's generally something uncomfortable has to happen or some sort of change. And then there will be the restoration, the feeling of lightness, the feeling of, okay, it's better now. So that would be what I would say is a healthy, motivating guilt. It moves you forward and you feel that you're growing and changing and the whole family is benefiting. You've taken your children out of school. You feel guilty because the house is never tidy. Um, My presentation is late for the third time and I just don't get to work. I feel like a bad mom. I feel guilty. How do I fix that? It's a lot, isn't it? A lot of moms can relate to that description and that feeling of just being pulled in so many different directions. I think what stayed for me is just the helpfulness of speaking up that often when we keep this type of inner difficulty, inner ache is probably the best way to talk about it to ourselves. It's not helpful. So sometimes speaking about it in her case, perhaps talking to a colleague, asking for help, maybe there will be that reassurance that it's okay if it's late. We do understand. At times, we can even be open and vulnerable with our children where we express a desire to want to spend more time with them, but that we can't because of these reasons, Um, and expressing our sadness around it. I think that can often help. Obviously, that one needs to be age-appropriate with. But I think often speaking about it, being open and putting the vulnerability out there can be very helpful. Is there a way to snap out of guilt or is it something that we're going to have to practice to um, to deal with the good and the bad and making sure that we don't shame these feelings that we're feeling? Definitely. I think you're raising something that's very important. I think the first thing we can do is is stop. I often say, well, let's just stop and relax. So first just take a deep breath and relax because it is a very uncomfortable feeling when the guilt feeling comes up. Once we've taken a a step back and we look at it, it is a process of discernment. We're not just going to even straight away notice of, well, is this going to be a helpful path? Should I follow this niggle or is this an irrational guilt? So a guilt that's not helpful to necessarily put into action. Is it just my inner critic? Am I just being hard on myself? Is it too high standards? So we do need a time of discernment and just grappling with it a little bit. And then even when we've worked out what's happening, it's repetitive. We struggle with it. It's like a really bad habit at times that we need to gently coax out of ourselves. We can't just throw guilt out the window. It doesn't work like that. But I think it's this constant being aware of it, discerning. If it's healthy guilt, it needs to move. It needs to be motivating. If it's unhealthy guilt, we're going to try and drop it. We're not going to try and follow those thought patterns. I would imagine that guilt could stand in the way of a lot of things, like building a healthy relationship during um, lockdown or while your children are out of school and they're at home. Uh, it, it could stand in the way of intimacy and being close to your partner. You know, It just feels like it's such an, uh, it's not an emotion. It's like this thing that's just in the way. You know, Definitely. And this is where I say, if it's not going to be moving, if you're not going to be going in the direction of reconnection, I always say healthy guilt takes us back to relationship and it's an, it's an, it helps us express love. If it's not going to be taking us back to relationship, if it's going to be isolating us and creating a wall, then we know it's not helpful. And you're right, it can get in the way because it's preoccupying. It can, it can preoccupy our minds, particularly if we're looking at what is known as toxic shame, 
where we go into a space of feeling bad about ourselves, feeling worthless, feeling not good enough. That is very interrupting of relationship. As moms, we want to make sure that our children are just reassured. And as dads, we want to make sure that our children are confident and that we're raising confident little adults eventually. How do, you, how do we reassure our children during a time that is so, I mean, in, in my house, there's certain things that we don't do. We pray a lot. We play a lot. We don't watch the news in front of the children. Um, we have made life as fun. I mean, from where I'm sitting, they're playing naked outside <laughs> because we mm. try to make life as carefree as possible for them. How do we reassure them the whole time and make sure that that this almost doesn't affect them. And if guilt and all the emotions that we're going through is helping us grow, aren't we taking away from them if we try and raise them in this carefree environment that the world is your oyster? Meantime, during lockdown and COVID-19, people are suffering and they're dying. Mm. No, I'm with you. So it's, it, it's a bit unrealistic to even create that bubble. But I think... What I'm hearing from your description is the sense of just being aware and helping them to name what they're feeling. So at times they will be carefree. And I think those goals that you are highlighting of trying to keep the news away from them and shield them from some of it because they are young and it is too much for them. I think there is some value in that. But at the same time, we're not going to be able to keep it all away. So we're going to be able to rather have some conversations about what's going on for them. So if they're feeling scared, it's really helpful if they can say, we're feeling scared. And then we can reassure them and say, yes, it is a difficult time, but it will be okay and that we'll be here with you. So the togetherness is very reassuring for children. Family is reassuring, reminding them of who the people are in their life that they can turn to. That is often reassuring. Well, Janine, now I feel guilty speaking to you instead of playing outside with the children. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. This is a Baby Brunch podcast. Laurie Milner is an engaging speaker. She's an author. She's a trainer and self-leadership expert. She's passionate about empowering women and equipping diverse teams with tools and skills to bridge the gap between work and personal life. And when I received all the mom's questions around how do you practically go out and do things in this interesting time of COVID-19, I thought that there's no one better to actually speak to this than Laurie Milner. You can find more about her on her social media handles, which is at Laurie Milner, or you can check out this cool website, which is beyondthedress.co.za. Laurie, thanks for your time today. And I'm just going to go straight into our questions for today. During this time, we feel an increase of guilt. We've now heard some of the answers. Why do you think we have so much guilt as parents? You know, it, it, it's such an interesting question. And, I, you know, for me, this is not something that's come up during lockdown. If you even think about conversations you may have been having with, with friends or colleagues, the work-life balance, you know, story has always come up. And that's when work and life were still separated. And for me, you know, whether it was pre-COVID and, and where we find ourselves now, I think that the one factor that comes up is around, if I said to you, give me a breakdown of your day from the morning, from the time you wake up in the morning to when you go to sleep at night, you know, break it down in 30 minute increments. How are you spending your days? And I'm pretty sure 
what what would come up is you say, well, there's not that much of myself showing up in the calendar. And I think we, we, and it's exactly what you said, we tend to have this guilt around it. We feel like we should be putting everybody else's needs first. But the truth is, I think we need to get to the point to go, okay, this guilt is no longer serving me. And what if instead of seeing as taking some time for yourself, instead of putting your, you know, filling your own cup, because no one else is going to, and I think we know that at this point, what if we reframed it with two questions? And the one, instead of seeing taking a bit of time for yourself as guilty, as asking, well, what is it costing me not to? You know, what is it, what is the impact on myself if I'm not taking some time? And the second question is, how would I want my family to remember this time? How do I want them to remember me? And I remember sitting down and asking myself this at the beginning of lockdown because I was trying to control and I was, you know, I'm very much in terms of planning and, and going according to the calendar. And clearly, you know, in this kind of a situation, it's not always going to go according to plan and you've got to let go. And I remember thinking, okay, well, how do I want them to remember this time? And I want them to remember it. I want them to emerge as stronger, as confident, as as good memories of, of amazing quality time. We get together. Yes, it's hectic, but that's the memories. And, and I thought, okay, well, if that's how I want them to remember it, what am I doing to make sure that I'm showing up in the way that I want? Because essentially, you know, the mom parents, we are the diffusers of the house. And if you think if you want to put a diffuser and you're putting these beautiful aromatic oils to make the place feel calm, your energy and what you are bringing is is pretty much is what's going to diffuse into the rest of the house. And I think we need to stop seeing it as guilty and seeing it as a necessity. Oh, wow. Seeing it as a necessity. I mean, there's, there's a lot happening and it's getting too much. How do we plan our day? I mean, if, if you had to give us an example of how to set up time for everything that we need to do. How do we as parents, as mommies, as daddies, how do we plan our day? Where do we even start? So I think the, for me, a, a great tool that I, that I practice is plan your week before you are in it. So take a Friday afternoon, take a Sunday and take out your calendars and start to map out, for example, the meetings that you have to do homeschooling. Um, some schools are going back. So schedule in the lift, schedule in when you're not available, schedule in their activities. So you almost get a bird's eye view before you hit your week to see, okay, this is where my time cannot go. Now what you want to do is schedule in, and I always say choose maybe top three things in a day. Don't try to overwhelm yourself because it's you're setting up yourself for an unrealistic expectation. So start to see where your time can go. What I, what I practice, what I preach and what I, what I share with other people to do is if you can start to own your morning. And what I mean is, is maybe an hour is too much, maybe 30 minutes, 15 minutes. Can you wake up 15 minutes earlier? So don't binge watch Netflix till 11, even though it feels <laughs> like the thing to do. You know, if you can go to bed a little bit earlier and wake up earlier, now what you do is you schedule that into your calendar. So what you want to do is make the decision the night before. So again, if you go back to, I always love to use the example of, you know, the to-do list has become something that we always do, but I want to persuade you to trade your to-do list for a success list because a to-do list is just this long list that just keeps growing throughout the day and it's a guilt list and it's almost the survival list. And every time you look at it, it reminds you of what you haven't done. Mm -hmm. But if we rather think, okay, 
What are my top three objectives for the day? What are the top three things I must that must happen? That is your success list. Those go into your calendar because your to-do list is going to extend into a to-be list. And again, it's who do you want to be? How do you want to show up? What kind of a parent do you want to be? How do you want your colleagues to remember you as well during this time? It's not only about your kids and your family. And then lastly, because it extends into a to-feel list. And I think that's, you know, we talk about guilt, we talk about balance, but I think all we want at the end of the day is to feel like we created some sort of meaning, is to feel like, you know, instead of arriving at the end of the day stressed and overwhelmed and feeling like, well, I got nothing done, but to rather feel like, wow, you know, I'm content and, and I've got a gratitude around me. And the only way to to bridge the gap between how you may be feeling and how you want to feel are the activities lying in your calendar. So when I say schedule in time in the morning, you need to decide what is those activities look like. So if relaxation and managing your mind is important to you, what are you doing to bring that out? Because it can't, and, and it's also, it's not just 15 minutes in the morning. You know, you could say, well, I'm going to exercise for 15 minutes, but then what's happening for the rest of the day? And what are we doing? Are we building in breaks into our day? But let me go back to your question of planning it. I think if you can, Aim for best case, maybe 15 minutes. Because if if you checked your phone less, if you checked your WhatsApps less, if you checked your socials less, I promise you you could find 15 minutes in a day. And consistency compounds. So if you take that 15 minutes and every single morning or three, four times a week, you watch a video on something that interests you, you read something, you do a guided meditation, maybe go for a walk, do some push-ups, whatever it is that's going to... F- you know, refuel you, that's going to put you into a peak state for the day. And it's about you want to, and the reason why you want to do that, it goes deeper than the activity itself. So for example, you said, okay, I'm going to go just for a 15 minute walk, or I'm going to log on and do a class. What you're doing is you're developing the skill of showing up to yourself because it you could schedule it, but if you decide to hit snooze and then you wake up in a panic and you really are disappointed that you missed your session, it starts to spill out into your day. So you may start to procrastinate or you might ditch the whole day and go, oh, well, I missed, you know, I missed my walk. I may as well just go get that donut. And then you start to self-sabotage because of that one small decision. So if by setting something up and saying, okay, tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do five minutes of mindful breathing or fill in the blank and you do it, you, it's what I call a micro win. And it's something you can celebrate and you start to develop the habit of being kinder to yourself. And what that does is when you schedule something, you show up, you take action and you achieve your win. That's how you build confidence because confidence is built on the promises you keep to yourself. So the way that I start my morning is I I wake up before my alarm set for five. Somehow I'm waking up around 20 to five, quarter to five. And the way I start my morning is I will, so A, I like to change environments. So I'll go into the lounge, I'll put my yoga mat down, I'll do a little bit of yoga, I'll do some meditation, and I like to journal. If I can get all three things done, amazing. Sometimes my five-year-old likes to walk in when I'm 10 minutes into something and, you know, that's life and I carry on with the day. (laughs) But for me, that's the way that I set my intention. It's the way that I just, even in journaling, just to write down, okay, what do I want to get done? I'll work through articles that I want to write. And it's just a, you know, it, it's, it really is my power hour. If I can, as I said, it can be a power 10 minutes. It can be a power hour. And 
If you can start to do that, you can start to boost your confidence because by choosing to start your day deliberately by doing something for yourself, what you're doing is you you not putting yourself into react mode. So when instead of waking up and the first thing you want to do is check your phone or check your emails or check what who you know what messages have come in, you're now reacting to everybody's urgencies. And that is how the trajectory of your day goes. So you may start to procrastinate, you may start to feel overwhelmed. Whereas if you take charge, even if it's 15 minutes, and the truth is no one is going to feel you. No one else can energize you during this time. So if you are doing something that just for the joy of it, you know, maybe it's think about maybe you love painting, you love baking, you want to do, you know, you, you wanted to do a course on something. Maybe you want to do up your public speaking skills because online is where it's all going. Mm. And the more you can start doing for yourself, it makes you a better parent because you're taking back your power. Now, you've said a lot of stuff that, that you Laurie, I can, I can tell you now what I've learned from your talk. So the, the first thing is, I remember the last time we spoke, waking up earlier has, I think, saved my guilty conscious, you know, conscience, you know, I, I would wake up half an hour earlier and there's, there's only two things that I can do in that half an hour. So I can journal and then be quiet. So my meditation is not usually long, but that I can tell you now has saved my life. The half an hour earlier or whatever suits you to, to just wake up a little bit earlier. The other thing that I learned from Janine Bull, who spoke before you, she mentioned to me the one day I said to her this, you know, cleaning the house and doing all of these things, it's just getting too much. And she said to me, well, germs or, or no, she, she mentioned dust. She said dust does not have a feeling. So the dust can wait, you know, cleaning the house is perhaps not as important as playing with your little one. And so I had to just change my priorities. And and then I love what you're saying about micro wins, the fact that we can do these small things that eventually makes you feel like you are conquering, that you have mastered a lot and that can give us more confidence. And speaking of which, that's the next thing I want to talk about. One of the questions we received from one of the parents was about children and confidence. And they said to me, Alana, how do we raise confident children? And I thought there's no one better to answer it than, than you. How do we raise confident children? That is such a fantastic question. And I think, number one, it starts with you. because, And, and that's why you, you shouldn't even have these feelings of guilt about doing these things for yourselves. Because the only confidence, courage supersedes confidence, right? And courage comes from action. And if you think back, I mean, especially during this time now, um, we've always faced uncertainty. It's, this is not something new. And if you look back in your life and you go back to your incremental wins and you think, wow, that was a really challenging time, but I got through it. And it's, these, and it's acknowledging your past wins and successes, which is going to project you to the next one. So I think number one for you as a person individually, as a leader, as a parent, because you're leading yourself and you're leading your family, you need to feel confident in yourself. And you get that by looking back and acknowledging what you've done, because far too often we go, oh, yeah, I did that, but it was nothing. What's the next goal? And we're not internalizing who we're becoming on the journey. And if you acknowledge as you go along, when you get to that place you want it to be, now you feel like it's real, because if we don't acknowledge it, you know, that's where imposter syndrome arrives. Mm -hmm. And we think, oh, Everyone's going to figure out, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, meanwhile, you are highly competent and talented. So acknowledge past wins for yourself. Number two, as I said, do something every day where you're creating progress. Ditch perfection. And I think that's what stops a lot of us from wanting to 
work on a new skill, do something new is because we feel like, well, I should be perfect the first time I do it. So give yourself the permission to be a beginner. Give yourself permission to aim for progress rather than perfection. And I think when your kids can start seeing, when when you are mirroring someone who values themselves, when you are mirroring someone who has self-acceptance, always, you know, always find if you say the word self-love, it feels a little bit scary. It's a bit of a big concept, Mm -hmm. but there's a beautiful concept um, in Buddhism called Maitri, which is about just working towards an unconditional friendliness towards yourself. And if you can be unconditionally friendly, you're going to always start to make decisions in your own best interest. And so when you are starting to appear as a confident person who's taking time, who's building yourself, your kids see that. And I think, you know, a simple activity that we do um, at the dinner table is we'll go around and we'll say, okay, what's one thing, you know, what is one thing you love about each person? And this is how we started off. So, you know, my little one would say what I love about my brother is, what I love about daddy is. And I said, okay, and what do you love about yourself? And that's what I make us all do is to say, okay, what do you love about Mm. yourself? Because I think if you can start to instill that from a young age, that you should love yourself, you should take pride in yourself. And, and, you know, and, and I think also part of building confidence is about allowing mistakes to happen. You know, don't be scared of failure. Don't be scared of making mistakes. I tell my kids, that's great. Did you make a mistake? What did you learn? Okay, so what we learned is that we're not going to do this next time, right? Instead of making them feel bad for doing something wrong or making a mistake. I mean, we're all learning. We're all growing. So I think if if you can allow them just to be human, to find the lesson, um, I think, you know, and, and then they're not scared to try things. You know, even something as simple as if they, you know, I remember taking my kids um, back in the old days to the park and my son was climbing on this jungle gym he'd never done before. And he said to me, mommy, I'm really scared. And instead of going, no, you shouldn't be scared. I said, that's okay. You can be scared. Right. Now put your foot here and where are you going to put your arm? So allow the feelings to come up. Let them feel like that. Make them, it's okay to feel like that. What are we going to do to move? You know, I always say, how do you move from your comfort zone into your courage zone? So, and I, and I think especially as us and during this time of lockdown, we have really been pushed to move past Mm. our comfort zone. We've been pushed, you know, if online wasn't natural to you, it's a huge adjustment. Uh, Working remotely, homeschooling, all of these things. You know, you mentioned just now, how do you cope with all the, you know, it's not just about, okay, you know, my work or my kids' schoolwork. It's running a home. It's getting all of those things in order. It's managing everybody emotionally as well. And I think if you can just, Replace the word balance for harmony because harmony is going to look different to every single situation, to every single family. And what create, you know, what equates harmony for me is going to look different for you. But balance just puts that pressure that, oh, you know, I should be getting to all these things. And I think as soon as you hear the words, but I should be, but this should be, it's the biggest alarming bells that we are trying to resist reality. You know, there's uncertainty and it's changing all the time. Ditch the should be and, okay, this is what it is. I'm doing the best that I can every day. I made a plan and maybe, you know, life happens or things come up and you didn't get to do what you wanted to do, but that's okay. Okay. How can, and I think it's also learning patterns. You know, I think during this time now, it's also about letting go of habits and patterns that no longer serve you. So perhaps you keep saying to yourself, no, you know, at five o'clock, I'm going to go for that walk. But what you find happening is that at five o'clock, you are so zonked. All you want to do is sit on the couch and watch Netflix. 
then you feel bad you missed it. So what if you said, okay, that's not working clearly. What if, you know, what if I took my kids around the block at one o'clock after school and we went for a walk together? So what could you start? And I think that's what this time requires of us is what would it look like if I did things differently? Mm. And it's trial and error. You know, especially me, I think in terms of my morning routine, it took me a, a while to get to this happy place of going, okay, this is what's working, this isn't. And and I think being comfortable setting boundaries. I think, you know, if you said, how do we instill confidence in our kids? It's also having that confidence to set boundaries around your time. And I'll say to them, guys, this is mommy's special time. and this is what I'm, you know, for the next half an hour until the door opens, please, this is my special time. And 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 it's managing their expectations. Mm-hmm. So it's also saying to them, right, I've got a meeting or I'm doing this between this time and this time, but at three o'clock, why don't we go do a puzzle together? And then they know, you know, it's not this, when am I going to see you? When, it, you know, what's going to happen? So I think the more we can manage their expectations or plan meals together, and we've just got to make it, we've got to make it work as best we can. Wow. Well, from micro wins to changing the way we think about lockdown and having learned so much, Laurie, this was amazing. We want to thank you. And if you want to see how Laurie is changing the world bit by bit in personal skills and self-awareness, even personal branding, um, perhaps you're a corporate that's listening and you want uh, people to know more about accountability and focus and leadership and also how to be more productive, uh, visit her website. It's Beyond the Dress. Laurie Wilner, thanks for your time. Thank you. It was an absolute honor to be here. Appreciate it. This podcast is proudly brought to you by FedHealth. FedHealth's FlexiFed 2 and 3 options offer superb maternity and childhood benefits, including its free FedHealth baby program to see members through their pregnancy and parenting journeys. Choose FedHealth for trusted medical aid cover that gives you choice, flexibility and control and that will be with you through every stage of your family's unique journey. Fed Health. We let you be you.